Welcome to Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism podcast. Um, I'm Christy and I'm joined by the fantastic Andy Bannister, who, well, actually, let's just say hi first. Hi, Andy. I was going to say I will always take adjectives and superlatives, but just hi. Hi would do. Yeah, hi. Good to, great hi, to see you, Christy. <laughs> I was going to say that you're zooming in from a really special location today, aren't you? I am. I'm in, um, well, I suppose I'm in Hobbiton, kind of really. And um, I'm in my, um, we had a garden office kind of built recently. It's this lovely kind of wooden Scandinavian wooden hut thing. And we just christened it today. And as I'm a, you know, um, you know just a terrible Tolkien fan, really, I read the thing every year. And uh, we had to call it something Hobbity. So it's, it was, yeah, bag end. I actually wanted to call it Rivendell. But my. Uh. Uh, <laughs> my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, looks at me and goes, "Dad, that's elvish. The elves were over six foot and blonde. You were, you were, you were five foot eight and game bald." So um, she put I'm, you in your place, didn't she? Yeah. So back was, and she's off to the orphanage. So um, here we are. Wow. Anyway, we- Move Who from, are we joined by? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We moved from the wonderful place of Rivendell slash Hobbiton uh, with my wonderful colleague to our lovely guest, uh, Claire Williams. Claire, hi. Hi, Christy. Hi, Andy. It's great to have you with us today, Claire. Um, shall I just give a little bit of a, a potted kind of overview of the stuff that, that you're involved in? You can tell me if this is completely wrong. Sure, yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so here we go. You, you trained at Ocker. You started Get Real, which is an amazing apologetics kind of ministry, um, just generally full stop. And you have kind of like a heart for for reaching the black community with the, the good news of, of the gospel. I mean, is that is that what Get Real is kind of about? Tell us a little bit more. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, Get Real is about um, kind of about your, so your general big questions, suffering, science, problem of evil those kind of big questions that people have about faith but particularly as you said I do have a heart for the black majority church I grew up in a black majority church and um, and Pentecostalism and generally um, I would say within the black community in, in, in the UK you kind of get people who are quite Christian or you know kind of a God-fearing sense maybe Muslim but quite um, I, I don't know a, a community that is quite faith-based but recently uh, not that recent but there's always been a question that's always bubbled away amongst Mm. um, um, my peers you know is Christianity a white man's religion is it a western religion has it been imposed upon black people and I think um, in recent years um, seeing so many things happen like on the global (laughs) on the global stage where race is concerned that question has really um, just bubbled up and um, so what I've seen is uh, I would say an exodus people some people call it the black exodus from from Christianity because of mm. um, some of the history and entanglement of the church with racism and so my heart is to reach um, the kind of disillusioned Christian disillusioned black Christian and also um, Christians from any ethnic minority any ethnic um, background sorry who say Do you know what well I don't want to be involved in a religion that was kind of mixed up in this. Um, so that's where, where I kind of like concentrate some of my work. The, um, one of the things that interests me about that, you know, that, that question is Christianity, the kind of, you know, the white man's religion. Obviously that's been, as you say, has been accelerated in the public domain because of what's gone on in recent years, everything from George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, so on and so forth. And, uh, but I remember getting asked, asked that question earlier than that. My Muslim friends 
you know, would say would say to me, or all Muslims have been using this form of evangelism for years among the black community, saying, you know, religion, you know, Islam is the religion of the, of the of the black man, Christianity religion of the, of the white man. Um, so obviously, it's got it's become more prominent in culture right now, but it has a slightly longer history. But so maybe Claire, how would you how would you sort of press into that question? Are there people listening today who've heard that question and just have no idea where where to begin? What are some of the ways that you begin helping people kind of think that one through? Yeah, I think the first thing to do is to appreciate the, I would say, righteous anger about the question. It's not it's not coming from a vacuum. It's coming from a place where, as you said, people from a range of different backgrounds have um, struggled with this question. And so I would say chiefly when it comes to the black community, it comes from the horrors of the transatlantic slave trade where, you know, passages of the Bible, I think it's in the book of Genesis where um, you've got the curse of Ham, a... Um, Noah, I'll say Abraham. Noah curses Ham, who, according to sort of church kind of history, was the descendants, uh, was the ancestor of black people. Um, and so from that supposed curse of Ham, black people meant, were meant to be the, the servants of white people. So strange theologies used to justify the enslavement of Africans. And so um, people kind of believe that Christianity was therefore imposed upon black people during the transatlantic slave trade. And it's kind of all indigenous beliefs stripped away. And therefore, we shouldn't be worshipping the God of our oppressor. That's where the kind of argument really comes from. Um, but actually, that is, a, I would say, a whitewashed um, presentation of, of church history. Um, there's a great book actually called The Whitewashing of Christianity. And it's by a guy called Pastor Jerome Gay Jr. And he talks about, he talks about you know, the, the African church fathers. He talks about... Um, just other figures and other other stories and narratives that actually say no, Christianity is not a, a, the white man's religion. It's not uh, mm. oppressive. It, it was used in that way. So um, there's a few a few mm. thoughts to kind of flesh that out. We've we've gone deep straight away. Chrissy kind of jumps into the question. The other, I love that you mentioned the the, the church fathers because we forget that you know how deeply embedded you know like Augustine and all those guys. They were all. Well, African, right? But it also occurs to me that if you if you use that as, a, as an argument against Christianity, you, you're almost actually. I love the phrase whitewashing. It's really helpful because Christianity originally was not a European religion, right? It's a Middle Eastern religion. One of the oldest Christian communities today are the Martoma Christians in India, privileged of hanging out with that community a few years ago. They are, you know, adamant. They trace their ancestry right back to Thomas, the apostle yeah. who traditionally went east. And yeah. their tomb is there. They are thoroughly Indian. They've been Christian for two thousand. Yeah, so it almost does all those communities a disservice, doesn't it, if we say, oh, Christianity is a European religion. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's almost a lot of its history. Similarly, there's a really strong um, history of the Ethiopian church, actually, um, really strong. There's a, there's a scholar called um, Dr. Vince Bantu, and he's, you know, so big on the, the heritage of the Ethiopian church. And he kind of links it back to the the, the passage in Acts chapter um, eight, when mm. Philip is talking to the Ethiopian official and how Christianity um, likely made its way into Ethiopia from that encounter. So there's so much evidence to the you know to counter that 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 idea but i do think the narratives are quite powerful and have 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 kind of sat and um need to be we need to rewrite that 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 stuff really yeah that's um that's such a in a way like starting there is such a such a helpful kind of way in kind of claire is that what would be like the next step because i'm just wondering kind of how persuasive that is as kind of scene setting and saying that um 
you know, it, it's not a white man's religion. How, what, where would you go from there? So for example, if I'm, uh, this happened to me a little while ago, if I'm like sharing a ta- taxi ride with somebody, um, thinking about this guy who um, picked me up in the Uber and um, we were just having a chat about these things. Um, he was black, I'm white. And we're talking about um, Jesus, the funeral. It was just after the Queen's the Queen's funeral. Sorry, not Jesus' funeral. The Queen's funeral. We were talking I, I about the funeral. <laughs> yeah. Still so fresh in my mind, really. And um, yeah, where do where do you go? Like, where do you go after that kind of first reflection of saying, well, you know, actually there's there's much more kind of evidence to demonstrate that it's not a white man's religion like where would you go after that in like a conversation with the taxi driver yeah i think i would again try to as, as much as i can because i feel this way too um and i'm unapologetic about that i would affirm the anger and say like honestly when you read some of the stuff that was done to to um enslaved africans it's, it's horrific and in the name of christ however i would then say when we look at black testimony of formerly enslaved Africans. Some of the narratives are just amazing. So like Frederick Douglass's narrative, brilliant. I just, I just love it. So he writes his, his, his narrative and he's talking about the horrors of slavery and he makes no, you know, he's, he's very clear about what happened and it's horrific. And there are times where he's really despondent and he kind of maybe you, you think he has no faith, but in the appendix of that account, he says something like, reader, you might be thinking, you know, I'm opposed to faith or I'm opposed to God. When actually he's got this great um, paragraph where he says, between the Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, I find the widest possible difference. And so actually what you have there is not a docile enslaved person who was, you know, blindly worshipping a God, someone who was quick, who was sharp, able to see the difference between how Christianity was used uh, to enslave and actually how it actually is it's a liberating force. A lot mm. of the black abolitionists were Christians and their faith really became the driving force and their, 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 their heart for justice. So Mary Prince, um, her account is also phenomenal. Uh, Equiano, great stuff. And so the testimony of, of, of black abolitionists, which I do think sometimes gets a little bit overshadowed by Wilberforce and Granville, Charles, but you know, <laughs> their testimony really um, suggests otherwise that actually Christianity became, um, and the, the Christ of Christianity became the focal point of their, 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 their quest for liberation. Hmm. To what extent has there also been a problem, a problem around some of this as well in terms of, of course, some of the images of Jesus that we're, we're, we're overly familiar with? I mean, I remember the, the Sunday school I you know, went to when I was, a, I was a kid. It was funny, actually. Went to, we are into Baptist church, which was very stripped of all imagery in the sanctuary. There was one simple crucifix, nothing else. Go to the Sunday school room. There's like art everywhere, and, I, and we had Swedish Jesus on on, 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 on on the wall. You know, blue. Well, actually, more possibly Californian Jesus. Actually, blue eyes, blonde hair, white robes, and um, you know, animals all over him. And um, I remember even then thinking that's not quite right. And of course, the temptations then go the other way and start creating African Jesuses. But you know, is there? How do we sort of recover people back to the Jesus of history and go? Actually, the, nice, the neat thing is he was actually neither. He was he was a Middle Easterner. Um, yeah. I don't just worry about how we engage then the black community. I also worry that we disconnect from history because we end up just constructing, you know, the Jesus of art rather than trying to think about what Jesus was actually kind of like in his context. Yeah, I think the whole inverted commas white Jesus is a problem. And I think um, that really sparked, I, mean, in a tw- I think it's 2020 when Sean King, the um, 
uh, activist in America, he talked about white Jesus needs to come down. All images of white Jesus needs to come down. They're a form of white supremacy. He 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 went in, um, and I remember seeing actually some Christian apologists responding to this and saying, you know, if you go into any culture, you're going to see Jesus portrayed in the kind of skin and in, in the kind of characteristics and features of that culture. But I kind of thought to myself, that's not quite true. I've, I've been to West Africa recently and I'm talking about in the, in the last four years and I've mm. seen in churches where you've got black worshippers, white Jesus on the walls. There's something, and so that tells you about the legacy of colonialism that, that and that needs to be addressed. So whilst it is true, absolutely, I think there was a BBC kind of image of, of, of Jesus and what he would have looked like, quite, mm. you know, dark olive skin brown hair quite um you know prominent features just just looking like um a first century palestinian jew um not not like you say jesus of norway but um representation matters and Mm. that kind of imagery sends a message so i do think you're absolutely right i think there's quite a lot quite a few books about that have come out recently in apologetics kind of trying to recover the jewishness of jesus and that not only helps us in terms of seeing ourselves in the story or seeing that it's not a western construct but actually seeing and appreciating how you're meant to understand scripture how jesus and, you know, what Jesus was talking about when he talked about different parables and how that related to the culture of, of, of his time. So I think there's definitely, uh, we need to be wary of committing the same erasure, mm-hmm. cultural erasure of Jesus when we we kind of say, okay, well, Jesus clearly wasn't white. Let's make him this or let's make him that. Let's um, honour um, the point in history in which God himself stepped in to human mm-hmm. into human flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Claire, this is utterly fantastic. It's just so good. I could listen to you all day talk oh, about yeah. this. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, we'd love, also love to hear a little bit more about Get Real. Um, how, well, yeah, what is Get Real about? And I guess what are some of the other challenges that, that you face in um, helping, as you mentioned earlier on, the disillusioned kind of black Christian um, and also in, in kind of, yeah, so in, inside the church, how do you go about helping the, the disillusioned black Christian? And is Get Real a part of that or is that something else? How does Get Real kind of relate to the stuff that we've been talking about? Yeah, so within so the church that I uh, attend, my my um, kind of church leaders are very much um, supportive of what I do. And mm. I, I do a lot of work, I would say, around youth in particular. And I have lots of good conversations with millennials so people my age about this um and so i think it's about um again listening to the questions people have where they are and i, I just think what what kind of underlies all of this and i, I know you you've done a lot on, um, of work on gen z as well christy is that this issue about racism isn't just racism as we might have thought about it 30 years ago this is justice mm. and it's linked justice kind of crosses over into all different kinds of areas, um, climate change, um, um, sexual orientation, um, gender, all, all, lots of the areas. So I think justice is really at the heart of some of these issues and actually showing people, and I just love this about God, that God is a God of justice. And the justice conversation should be coming from the church. Mm. God loves justice. Yes. He is a just God. And there's so much, like, that's just a fantastic apologetic right there. I think um, that's been really helpful to me to mm. approach these kind of issues from a justice perspective. Um, because people, are, people we, we, we know intuitively what justice is and we're, we're you know, we're, we're great judges of other people. Um, and actually seeing that that is on the heart of God, I think is really powerful. 
Yeah, it's also, as you say that, it also strikes me as on so many issues, it sort of, it saddens me that the church was once very often at the forefront of some of these issues. And then we sort of slid backwards. For me, the environment one is a classic example of that, that we were much more involved in that conversation. Then I think there was a sort of sense that all this is politics and we, we stepped out of this. But look, one other thing I'd love to chat to you about for a few minutes, Claire, one of the things that intrigues me is, is as well as obviously engaging the, the black churches and young people, the, you also come from Pentecostal kind of background. That's the stream you come out of. And again, in, in apologetics, that's a stream of the church that sometimes has shied a little away from apologetics. I think you alluded to it at the start when it's, it's all about faith. It's just, you know, believe and trust and we have the Holy Spirit. We don't need all this argument stuff. And I'm fascinated that you've, without abandoning your background at all, you've weaved that in nicely. How does that how does that work? If you're engaging with Christians who are, you know, perhaps more inclined to go, we don't need to use, you know, arguments and words. We've got the Holy Spirit. How do you help them see that it's not a case of either or? It's both and in God's economy. Yeah, well, I loved starting with um, the passage where I think someone asked Jesus, you know, um, what's the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus says to love the Lord your God of all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And so my faith in God cannot just be about the fuzzy feeling I have on a Sunday or speaking in tongues, if that's what anybody does on this podcast, I don't know. Or, or you know, and, and I've seen the Holy Spirit do great things. I, I have and I, I will be a Pentecostal to the day I die. Um, but actually, I don't think that being a Christian or being a Pentecostal Christian means that you have to trade in either or. And I read this great book, actually. Um, uh, from, it's a very small book by John Stott. It's called Your Mind Matters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, that yeah. was really helpful. Yeah. That was really helpful. And just seeing... Um, Jesus, his ministry, he operated, you know, with the Spirit's power. Like you just saw Jesus did amazing things, miraculous things, supernatural things. But he also wasn't afraid to address people's questions, to reason with people as well. So these things come come together. And I just think um, kind of showing people that that, that beauty um, about God um, is, 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 is a real winner. Claire, thank you so so much. I think we're now we're now at the the end of our time together. Andy, do you have any other quick questions you want to ask before we wrap up? No, I suppose the well, last question I suppose I suppose really as we come up to the sort of top of the twenty minutes, Claire, would be if people want to find out more about about mm. what you're doing and get real and all that stuff. Where how's the best place they can do that? How can they engage with all that uh, great work you're doing? Sure. So check out um, the website realquestions.co.uk realquestions.co.uk and on Instagram at getreal321. That's where you can find it. A bit Fantastic. More. We'll put links to those uh, in the show notes for this episode. And of course, you know, regular followers of Solas uh, may recognize uh, Claire's picture from the image that will come with this podcast because, of course, you've done several kind of short answers uh, for us. So um, so that's been uh, it's been great using you that way. So if you also want to engage with what Claire's doing, check out her website. Still also check out her content on, on Solas. And Claire, we're really grateful as ever that you've made the, the time to be with us today. Thanks for, thanks for coming along. Thank you, Andy. And it's been so nice to collab with Solas on the videos. Honestly, I used, I remember the days of watching the short answers and seeing Andy there with the white background and the text popping up. I was like, this is so good. So to be able to to collab with you on uh, and the team on it, it's just been amazing. Thank you, guys. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so we look back at those videos and go, wow, he looks so young. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for all of you at home or in the car or on your run, wherever you're catching uh, Pep Talk, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And Christy and I will be back in two weeks' time with a new guest. Uh, do tune in and uh, check out that conversation. Meanwhile, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.